This afternoon we will consider the doctrine of the Word of God as the Church has summarised it and we confess it in Lord's Day 32. In that connection with that Lord's Day, we, our scripture reading comes from Zechariah 14, Romans 12 and 1 Peter chapter 2. In Zechariah 14, we read to verses 16 through 21. This is Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16. Read the word of the Lord. Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feasts of booths. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up and present themselves, then on them there shall be no rain." There shall be the plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to keep the feast of booths. This shall be the punishment to Egypt and the punishment to all the nations that do not go up to keep the feast of booths. And on that day, there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. And the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as the bowls before the altar, And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them. And there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. Turn now to the New Testament, to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, read the whole chapter. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, 
the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And finally we turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We read the verses 4 through 10. First Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now... You have received mercy. So far the reading of God's word. After the proclamation of the gospel, our Amen song is Psalm 99, stanzas 1, 2 and 3. Psalm 99, stanzas 1, 2 and 3 after the sermon. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, 
What are we doing here on this earth? What is the reason for our existence? In the sermon this afternoon, you'll be confronted with your calling to live as priest. Yes, that applies to you too, mums. You might see your task as priest in kitchen and home. Dads, you too are priests. And you children, all of you will be exhorted to live as priests whom Christ sanctifies for the worship of God. And so the theme of the sermon this afternoon, good works are a necessary part of Christ's work of salvation in you. In that light, you will hear about a number of things. In the first point, we will consider the origin of good works. Good works are not first and foremost what we do, but what Christ does in us. And that we will see is very encouraging. Secondly, we need to consider the goal of Christ working good works in us, namely God's glory. The worship of God is to be our whole way of life, which will also underline how serious it is when that's not how we are living. And finally, we will see the great benefits that come from Christ working good works in us. There are benefits for us. We receive assurance and certainty. And then there are also benefits for others. For it is God's will that through our good works, others might be one for our Lord and Saviour. So that's an overview of the sermon. Our theme then, good works are a necessary part of Christ's work of salvation in you. And the three points, good works are Christ's work in you. Secondly, good works are to God's glory. And thirdly, good works are for the benefit of man. So good works are a necessary part of Christ's work of salvation in you. The theme and the three points, good works are first of all Christ's work in you, then to God's glory. And thirdly, good works are for the benefit of man. First of all, good works are Christ's work in you. The good works are what this last part of the catechism is all about. For our purposes this afternoon, we must briefly touch on what they are. Lord's Day 33 gives a more extensive definition of what good works are. The key thing we need to understand about good works is that they are not a special something in our lives. But simply, good works are doing the things God commands us to do in his word. A good work congregation is doing your daily devotions. A good work is clearing the table when your parents tell you to. It's to speak kindly and upbuilding to the upbuilding of your neighbour, to give money to the poor. A good work is to lay aside your weekly work and pleasure and worship the Lord on the day of rest. Good works are doing the things that God commands us 
in his word. And the question in this Lord's Day is, why must we do good works? After all, clearly we are not saved because of our good works. If we endeavour to find a way to make the holy God happy with me, I am doomed from the start, eternally. You are saved from your sin and misery, congregation, by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of your own, without you doing any works to earn it. Well then, if that is so, why must we yet do good works? Why do the scriptures repeatedly come with lists of commands for God's people? That's the question. And then the answer is surprising. It does not say in the answer, we must do good works for this or that reason. It gets to that eventually, but it does not start with that. The subject of the answer is not us. It's about us, but it does not begin with us. The subject of the answer is Christ. Why must we do good works? And the answer is because Christ. He is the one who has saved you from your sin and misery. But he does not now leave it up to you to show thankfulness to God. Instead, he is also involved there. When speaking about good works, we are speaking about what Christ is doing in us. Good works are necessary. Why? For Christ is at work in us, renewing us. We hear echoes of Lord's Day 24. Will not this teaching of salvation by grace alone without works not make people careless and wicked? The answer, it's impossible that those grafted into Christ do not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. It's impossible. Your good works have everything to do with Christ working in you. He is the one who renews your hearts so that they become set on the the worship of God and abhor the worship of idols. Christ is the one who renews your lips so that they no longer gossip and backbite and run down others but instead speak the truth for the edification of the neighbour. He is the one who sanctifies your desires so that you really desire what is good and pure and lovely and hate filth and immorality. Beloved, have this clear in your minds. It's not as if Christ saves you and then leaves it up to you To serve God and show thankfulness. As if he gets you out of the hole, sets you on your feet, and then leaves it to you to stay on your feet. Some kind of cooperative effort. No way. John chapter 15. The Lord Jesus said, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. United to Christ by faith, there will be good works in your lives. It's impossible to be otherwise. Or Ephesians chapter 2. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
We are a new creation in Christ so that we do bring forth good works. Or Philippians chapter 2. It is God who is at work in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. And then Galatians chapter 5. Their good works are called fruit of the Spirit. They flow out of the Spirit of Christ who dwells in you. Your good works, congregation, have everything to do with the work of your Saviour in you. Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, shows that Christ renewing us flows out of his death on the cross. There we read, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. On the one hand, this text shows us that we are freed from the judgment that is coming over the evil world in which we live. But there is more. As long as this world still exists, being rescued from it includes being rescued from its ways. Christ died so that he might rescue us from the ways of the world. His working good works in us flows out of his death on the cross. It's part of his salvation work for us. And Christ's renewing work through his Holy Spirit is the process of sanctification. That's the work of God in you. That's the work whereby the Holy Spirit delivers the justified sinner from the pollution of sin, renews his whole nature in the image of God, and enables him to perform good works. And that raises the question. We say that Christ, through the Holy Spirit, renews us, works good works in us. But are we not commanded to do good works? Does the scripture, by its repeated emphasis on what we must and must not do, does it not show that good works are something that have to be done out of ourselves? We have to knuckle under and obey the command to do it. Well, that's a good question. Because it's precisely the many commands to do good works in scripture that are used by those who suggest that man can do something good out of himself. Such people, they say, well, look at the scriptures. It says you've got to do this, you've got to do that. We must be able to do good works of ourselves. The semi-Pelagians and the Armenians can appeal to this. That's why we need to consider this question. But how? Congregation, how does Christ work good works in you through the Spirit? It is Christ's Spirit who inspired the scriptures which include all those commands to do good works. And then it is Christ's spirit who makes you believe and accept and do what the word commands. Without the spirit, you would never accept the word of God and heed its commands. The spirit renews us and, and changes our wills. He makes us want to do what is right. That spirit goes further. He strengthens us so that we perform the good works that we are commanded to do in the word of God. As Paul says in Philippians, 
It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do what is pleasing in his sight. That means good works are the work of Christ in you through the Holy Spirit. Your delight to serve the Lord. Your joy to come to church. The willingness with which you honour and respect those in authority over you. They are the work of Christ in you through the Holy Spirit. That's what he saved you for. That your good works are the work of Christ in you through the Spirit. That's very comforting, congregation. Because good works are necessary. That life of obedience, it's necessary. We're going to talk about that in the second and the third point. But knowing that they are necessary and that it is Christ who works them in us means that we can ask God to work good works in us. Our weakness is great. Our sin runs to the core of our being. Good works had to be produced of ourselves. It would never happen. But it's Christ who works them in you. And so you can pray for them. Renew me. Work good works in me. For your word reveals that that's part of the salvation work that Jesus Christ does. When you see shortcomings in your life, when you are bothered by how little you produce of the good works you are commanded to do, then pray. Ask God to work that in you. When you know that good works are part of Christ's work in you, it also guides you in raising your children. You know that you have a calling, you promised it when they were baptised, that you have a calling to teach your children in the ways of the Lord. As any parent knows, that's no small task. But knowing that good works are a part of Christ's work in you guides you in this. You can appeal to your children as you train them on the basis of their Saviour's work. My son, my daughter, you've not only been promised the forgiveness of sins by your Saviour, but you've also been promised the renewing work of the Spirit. That's why, my son, my daughter, you must do good works. Your your appeal to them. You're urging them on in their obedience and their love for God and their neighbour. It's grounded on the work of Christ. My son, live out of the, the renewing work of the Spirit in you. We must point our children, our teenagers to that as we teach them God's ways. The law, God's law, does not change people in and of itself. We confess that in the canons of Dort. The law offers no remedy for man's sin, nor gives him power to rise out of this misery. But the gospel does. The gospel of a saviour who not only saves us from our sins, but also renews us unto obedience. That's why you can teach your children the do's and don'ts of God's word and expect that to bear fruit because of the gospel of a saviour who works good works in us. And that congregation brings us to consider more closely the question of why Christ works good works in us as part of his salvation work for us. 
Why are good works still important in the life of one who has been delivered by Christ from eternal punishment by grace alone, without works? And that brings us to consider that good works are to God's glory. Why does Christ work good works in you? What is his purpose of sanctifying you, changing you? So that you, congregation, might live as priests. I think even the children will know what the priests did in the Old Testament. They brought sacrifices in the temple. Sacrifices for sin. Grain offerings. Thank offerings. That temple... And that priesthood are no more. That all passed away with the coming of Christ. He, the eternal high priest, brought the one sacrifice for sin for all time. So that we might be delivered from our sin. But that does not mean that there are no more priests in the people of God. Christ's work of salvation congregation means that you are all now priests. That's why he works good works in you. That becomes clear from the proof texts that go with this Lord's Day. One of them is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Your calling... As the New Testament people of God is to serve as priests, offering yourself as a living sacrifice. And then Romans 12 continues by pointing out all the deeds of love you are to perform for your neighbor. Keeping God's commandments is the living sacrifice that the Lord God calls you to give him. Think about that congregation. Good works are keeping the commandments of God. And how do you summarize the commandments? It can be boiled down into two things. Love for God and love for the neighbor. Now we can understand that love for God has everything to do with worshiping God. But then also our love for our neighbor is part of our sacrificial service to God. When we, when we do deeds of love to our neighbour, we are giving sacrifices to God. Scripture also shows that. I refer to Philippians chapter 4, where Paul speaks about a gift that the Philippians had sent him. He says, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, and then he describes that gift, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Their gift of love to him was an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. They performed priestly work by showing love to him. Congregation, your edifying words to your neighbour, when you speak to build him up, They are sweet-smelling sacrifices which God delights in. 
your deeds of love and charity towards your neighbor when you help him, your kindness towards him, your patience, they are sweet-smelling sacrifices God delights in. Christ works in you so that your whole life might be one continuous sacrifice of thanksgiving in the service of God. A similar point is made in that other proof text, 1 Peter chapter 2. You also, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Consider the big picture, congregation. Your life is to be one of praise, of service to God. Our salvation is not so much about sinners being saved as it is about people being restored unto the worship of God. Sin and salvation from sin begin in chapter 3 of our Bibles. But the first two chapters, chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis, are about the world which God created and in which he placed man so that man would, as priest, develop this world, bring forth the fruits of the ground, invent, cultivate, explore, discover, all to the praise of the Creator. Now Christ's work of salvation means that you are restored to that task. Beloved, you are all priests. And the sacrifices you are required to bring? Good works. Your whole life is priestly service. Do you see how broad Christ's salvation work is? Good works are necessary as you do your work as mechanic. Because Jesus Christ has saved you and has restored you to being a priest there in the workplace. Your work has to be seen as priestly work in his service. Students, your work in the classroom, also in the higher institutions of learning, must be seen in the context that you are a priest. Jesus Christ would work good works in you there so that you might bring sacrifices, so that you might offer your mind, your intellect, your discoveries and conclusions all in the service of the Creator. Wives and mothers who are busy in the kitchen and home, there too, you are restored as priests. In the prophecies of Zechariah, the Spirit said that the day would come when every pot in Jerusalem and Judah would be holiness to the Lord of hosts. In other words, what had formerly been common and for everyday use would become utensils used in the service of the Lord. Everyday items like pots and pans would become like the special holy utensils of the temple. And that prophecy is fulfilled 
when people glorify God with every part of their life, that includes your work in the kitchen and in the home. Why does God save you from your sins? Why does Christ work good works in you? So that you might live as priest, also in the kitchen and laundry. With even more enthusiasm than in the beginning. For Adam and Eve were called to praise God for his goodness and love. But you, you have the additional knowledge of God's mercy. Your priestly work is service to the God who has saved you from your sin and misery. So why, congregation, are good works necessary? Why should your life be filled with with good works? Because you were created as priests in the beginning. And because Christ restores you to live as priests again. That is what gives life its meaning. And then, congregation, do you understand the strong words at the end of our Lord's Day? Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? And the answer, by no means. Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Such persons who refuse to repent, who refuse to live as priests, they have no part in the kingdom of Christ and God. For that kingdom congregation is a kingdom of priests. Those who refuse to break from sin, who indulge in it, are refusing to live as priests. They don't care about God, the creator and redeemer. They refuse to see their calling as priests. And there is no place for them in the kingdom of priests. So, beloved, cling to Jesus Christ, to whom alone you are priest to God. Repent from all ungodliness and ungratefulness. Examine your life. Am I living as a priest? If you are not, There's no place for you in the kingdom of priests. No place for you in the new Jerusalem in which there will only be priests. See the seriousness of the warning. This is not just for those outside the church, but also for those inside the church who lay claim to the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Yes, I believe that Jesus saved me from my sins, but who do not see the need to now live as priests, devoting their lives, their sexuality, their time, their money, in thankful obedience to the Lord. People who see the freedom that they have in Christ as an opportunity to serve the flesh rather than serve God as priests. The congregation, when you see that even though you are striving to live as priests, that there are still sins and weaknesses in your life, you should not think that you will not be saved and will be cut off from the kingdom of priests. Our sins and weaknesses should make us sad, bring us to repentance, but they shouldn't make us despair. Instead, look to Christ to to sanctify our lives of service, to sanctify our works.
After all, we are told in 1 Peter 2 that we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's only through his work that our imperfect sacrifices are made acceptable. Our works, our sacrifices as priests are not acceptable of themselves but only through Jesus Christ. Even as we grow in living as priests, we remain dependent on God's grace in Christ. What a comfort to know that we priests, even though not yet perfect, are yet acceptable through faith in Christ. And that brings us to consider in our final point that good works are also for the benefit of man. Good works, congregation, are not only to the praise of God, but also to the benefit of yourselves and others. That's the other two reasons why good works are important. Firstly, good works, a life of obedient living, that's of benefit to you when you live like that. For what is happening when there are good works in your life, when you are abhorring sin and growing in delight to honour God with your lips, to speak positively and encouragingly about one another, when you see that there is that desire in your heart to serve the Lord in, in marriage and family life, what are you seeing? The first point of this sermon answers that then you see Christ at work in you through his spirit. A good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. The good works you produce are fruit of the spirit, an indication that the spirit of holiness is indeed working in you, producing in and through you holy fruits in the service of God. Good works assure you of your faith. By its fruit. In other words, they show that your faith in Jesus Christ has a real impact in your life. We would never be able to live as priests in and of ourselves. Of myself, that everlasting exclusion from the kingdom of priests is my only inheritance. But despairing of a future in ourselves... We cling to Jesus Christ in faith. We look to him to deliver us from our sin and misery without any merit of our own. And the result of believing in him is that he also recreates you unto all good works. So that your priestly living is evidence that your faith is genuine. That you are not just putting on a show when you say that you believe, but you really do for your faith leads to fruit. And that's why an absence of fruit is so serious. If you are not living as priests unto God, if you instead serve all kinds of other gods, sexual immorality, materialism, pleasure, the self, greed, then there can be no assurance. And you might say that you believe, 
that you have been saved by Jesus Christ, but an unrepentant life shows that you are not living out of faith. That might not happen openly. Maybe you are indulging in sin where others cannot see. But even if nobody else knows, your refusal to break with sin and serve God as priest is hellishly serious. And then good works, congregation, are also necessary for they benefit your neighbor. Your good works, your life of obedience, keeping God's commandments, that speaks to your unbelieving neighbors about God. You are different from him or her. In what way? In that you live as priest, offering yourself as living sacrifice to God. Your good works... They point your neighbour to God in two ways. First of all, in that they are dedicated to God. When you live a renewed life, then your unbelieving colleagues at work or university or college, your unbelieving neighbours on the street, they will be in close contact with a priest in close contact with one whose whole life is dedicated to the service of God. Think of the Apostle Peter's words to believing wives whose husbands were not believers. Peter said, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word might be won by the conduct of their wives when they noticed your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. That is, when your unbelieving husband notices your sober and chaste way of life flowing out of, characterized by reverent fear for God. In other words, when they notice that you are living as a priest in the service of God, that they may be one for Christ by this. Beloved, when you live as priest in the service of God, then you confront the unbelievers around you with the true meaning of life. That is, that life only makes sense when it's lived to the glory of God. For we were created as religious beings, and unless we serve the true God as priests, our existence is overshadowed by meaninglessness. And there is another way in which good works point your neighbor to God. For none of us congregation can live in true obedience in our own strength. It's only because of God's work in you that you bring forth good works. Thus your good works point those around you to the only source of true love for God and the neighbor, God himself. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Beloved congregation, good works are important. You have been saved unto good works. Good works are part and parcel of Christ's salvation work in you. He restores you so that you might serve as priests to God, offering yourselves to God as living sacrifices of thankfulness. 
Therefore, heed the instruction of Christ's Spirit to live as priest and so live to the glory of God in wonderful assurance of Christ's work in you and as a witness to the dark world in which we live. To God alone be all the glory, both now and into all eternity. Amen.